Hey friends, welcome back to the H&H Hour. This is episode 35, Heidi. 35. 35. That's exciting. I know, it is so fun. If you are new and you don't know who we are, my name is Heather Tapes, and this is my sister and my co-host, Heidi Bolt. Hi, Heather. Hello. So we're on a roll today because we're recording guests back-to-back, which yep. is super fun. It is fun. Because we just get to do this all afternoon long. Yep. Well, and it's helpful. It helps us be very productive. True. With, and have good time management because we just... Um, Schedule babysitters. Line up a babysitter and... Set up all the equipment once. Go for it. Yep. Yep. We go for it. So are you having a good week so far? We're having a great week. Yeah. All of our just... listeners have followed my journey of healing and um, I am just... Every morning I wake up and I feel as if I have the energy to get out of bed and to function is such a good day. So... I'm just so thankful. So it's been a great, great And just having walked through this journey with you and walked through the really dark days and the yep. really hard days where you couldn't get out of bed, it's so amazing to see Jesus yeah. restoring your strength yep. and, and healing your body yep. and giving you back um, yourself, yep. you know, and just because Heidi was kind of hidden for a little while, like the, yeah. the spunky, full of energy <clears throat> Heidi was ready to take on the world. And so I'm so glad you're back. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I didn't even have the energy to joke around. <laughs> Truly, no, you didn't. I didn't. No, it was didn't. just like, just the basics. I feel like you didn't even have the energy to have conversations. No. Because it was, it was just too much to even yeah. talk really about, yeah. you know, anything more than how are you feeling. Right. So I've been having some dialogue with a dear friend of mine who has walked through similar things. And as she shared, it was kind of that understanding of like, Yes, that's how I felt too. Yeah. And I just wondered if I was alone in that. Oh, and yeah. so realizing that it's yeah. like, it's a really big deal. So yeah. yeah. So our oh, week's I'm been so great. Good. Jesus so is so I'm so glad so that you're faithful. being healed. Thank you. Yes. It's a cool thing. Glory to Jesus. Yeah, for sure. So if you are um, maybe new to this podcast and you don't know what it is that we're going on about, um, <laughs> this podcast is all about highlighting the ordinary. And that ordinary is extraordinary. Yep. And that when we start to view our lives, our ordinary lives, which we both have, as extraordinary, right. they take on a whole new meaning. Yep. And we're able to walk through them seeing life through a different lens, really. Yeah. Um, that's what I love. Is that It's almost like you're just putting on these glasses that help you to see things in your day that you do every single day that God says these are extraordinary acts yes. that you're doing. Yes. Um, whether it be uh, in your job. You know, maybe you're a teacher and it's just helping those kids learn their math facts and how extraordinary that is because you are preparing them for being an adult and living and functioning in this world. Or maybe it's your mom and you're, you know, putting your littles, getting them dressed every day. I mean, yeah. if you didn't do that, they might grow up as adults not knowing how to get dressed. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, that's what our podcast is about. Yeah. and um, this beautifully ordinary life. Yeah, just yeah. this ordinary life. And we love to welcome on guests. And so yeah. we're so excited to have a good friend of ours, um, Doug Rumbold. Welcome to the H and H Hour. Hi, it's good to be here. Um, I was just chuckling as you guys were introducing. You guys have your own little language. We do. You do. It's. Um, I was noticing this when I was listening to the last H and H podcast. There was uh, littles is a term that is unique, I think, to your family. I'm sure other people on the planet <laughs> use it, but I use my context clues because I understand third grade reading and. Um, <laughs> And I discovered that littles is referring to children, and then you obviously are the bigs, but you didn't you didn't bigs. say bigs, you just said littles. I don't think I would ever want to be referred to as, as bigs. bigs, though. Well, no, bigs. When you toss an bigs. S on there, bigs. it certainly it certainly True. lessens certain connotations. Yeah. I absolutely love this. I love that you think that was our own idea. I doubt um, it was. It probably started with your mother. No, no. Actually, this is like a it's a real thing. This is like a real thing in okay. society. Like if you talk to any mom, your wife may not reference her kids as littles, maybe because yours really aren't littles anymore. But pretty much any mom on the planet, if you said, do you know what littles are? She'd go, yeah, that's little children. Little kids. But, okay. okay, I have to give you some credit. <laughs> this is a fairly new phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I've decided that even since my kids were littles, because <laughs> that term did not exist when they were actually little. Yeah. Um, we started to name everything. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. when your kids jump into bed with you and sleep with you, it's now co-sleeping. Okay. Um, there, there's like there's all these terms mm -hmm. yeah. that didn't exist ten years ago. So you get a pass on that one. Okay, yeah. great. How old are your kids? Ten and seven. Ten and seven. Okay. And we're one, three, and six. Oh, yeah. So, I'm twelve, six, nine. Yeah. I yeah. should have gone in order there, but so, yeah. yeah. So we're there, the same, <laughs> okay. same six. But I do think he did pick up on something. We do have our yeah. own language. Yeah, we do. And we often say that we're in the mm -hmm. cloud. So yeah. we both are thinking the same thing. 
say the same thing at the same time. Well, I think some because we do life together, yeah, like in a lot of capacities, we forget mm-hmm. that what God's given us is really awesome and unique and special. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've had a lot of women be like, "I'm jealous of mm-hmm. the fact that you have a close friendship with your sister." Yeah, which so it's I a wish true gift to have. Yeah, could have that. We often yeah. joke that we cannot preach together, which is hilarious because <clears throat> we podcast together. Yeah, because it would just sound like mimic, you know? Yeah, like an echo. I can echo. Uh-huh. Finish each other's sentences and all right. that. Yeah, exactly. for sure. That yeah. makes sense. Exactly. Um, okay, enough about us yes. and our language. On to Doug. <laughs> Doug, tell us a little bit and our listeners about yourself. Uh, I'm Doug Rumbled. <laughs> and uh, I grew up one of eight children. My parents had all eight kids in 10 years. That's like a record. Wow. And um, growing up, my oldest sister passed away when I was, f- uh, before I was born, actually, she was four. And my youngest brother passed away when I was in college. So growing up, there were seven of us um, the whole time. And uh, five boys, two girls. Um, so they were severely outmanned. Yeah. And then um, the families just kind of expanded from there. Now all of us are married with children. And I think on my side, there's 35 maybe wow. grandkids. So it's a big family. Wow. 35 grandkids. Yeah, you pre-medicate for family get-togethers. So <laughs> To Advil and walk yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. It's total chaos. We were at one last night, actually. Wow. This is my brother came back from Slovakia. We did a wedding together, which was a ton of fun. And um, <laughs> my son, who's nine years old, comes up to me. This is line of the night. Hey, Dad, can uh, can I take the hatchet? A couple of the fellas and I are going to go out in the woods with weapons. <laughs> I'm like, wow. which, which fellas are we talking about? Well, um, my, my, my two older cousins, Andrew and Isaac, I'm like, okay, well, that, you know, at least they're in high school. Yeah. So my nine-year-old can go out with a hatchet into the woods at So the dark. answer was yes? What else would it be? <laughs> you tell a boy no clearly, to a hatchet. Clearly he asked the dad. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, he yes, didn't ask my, the mom. Yeah. He walks away, Jess casually looks at me and goes, what was that all about? Nothing. I Don't mean, worry about it, honey. They're just sharp, blunt objects in darkness. <laughs> Really, wow. no, really nothing to be concerned with here, dear. I love It'll it, though. Yeah. Wild at heart. I feel like boys should get to do more stuff like that these Absolutely. days. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There's so much desire for refinement and mm-hmm. like not letting yeah. boys be boys, be men. Yeah. I love that. Um, it could be problematic later. It could be. Um, but right now, it's pretty funny to watch. So they came back with all of their fingers. They did. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I looked out the window and we're at my brother's place. He has 40 acres, 80 acres, big place. And um, I saw him standing about six foot from a tree, each taking turns with the hatchet, trying to stick it to the tree. Nice. <laughs> so it was, it was, uh, you know, that's good practice for a boy. Yes. That's great. So that's uh, very cool. I am married to Jessica. Yep. Um, I have, uh, as the phrase goes, married up, which is great. <laughs> and uh, we've been married since January of 04. And we have three littles, uh, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Jada is our oldest. Um, Oliver is our second, and Pierce is our third. Mm-hmm. And I have, let me think, lived in North Carolina and Illinois. Um, so after high school, went to college in Chicago, mm-hmm. and then moved out to North Carolina, did a master's in counseling. And my wife and I got married halfway through my time out there. And we moved back when our daughter was two months um, so we got married in January, had a baby in March of the next year, and haven't looked back since. So I hope you're not angry. I may have been part of praying you back into this area. Well, that could have been. My wife and I often say, <laughs> my wife and I often say that uh, we feel we moved from North Carolina too soon because it was oh. tremendous for our uh, for our marriage and for just mm-hmm. getting established, getting yeah. your feet under yeah. you to not have family. How long yeah. were you guys there? Um, not long enough. It yeah. was, uh, <laughs> well, we also loved the state because the beach and well, the, the mountains were like, gorgeous. yes. Yeah. So we were there. I was there for three years. She was there for a, about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I didn't well. even come visit. Y'all weren't there. No, we weren't long. Very long mm-hmm. once we were married. Nope. Yeah. I think we had her dad, my parents, and her sister may have been the only family members to yeah. come. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah. yeah. You want to hear the strangest story about a welcoming gift? Yes. When we moved into our new house oh, no. on 605 Centerwood Court, um, <clears throat> we got all of our stuff moved in. This is when we lived in North Carolina, just to demonstrate Southern hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> and this woman comes over with a box of Krispy Kremes. And she's like, oh, here you go. I saw you guys moving in. I forget her name now. I think it was Edna. Not joking. Uh, okay. And um, and she hands us these, put them on the countertop, give her a hug, tell her thanks so much, glad to be your neighbors. Yeah. Um, she's like, okay, great, love you, and leaves. I open it up. <clears throat> There's four donuts in there <laughs> and a Diet Coke. 
<laughs> what? And the glaze, you know how when the glaze donuts sit for a while, the glaze just kind of falls no. off? Like it just gives up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I can't do this anymore. I'm done clinging to this donut. <laughs> and uh, and that's what we had. I mean, they weren't even day-olds. They could have been potentially more than day-old donuts. <laughs> oh, no. But Jess and I, right at first, we were almost a little offended. And then on the back end of that, we're like, that's awesome. Yeah. She gave up her donuts. That's she a big did. deal. Yeah. Wow. So it was pretty incredible. That's pretty special. And, a diet, and a diet caffeine-free <laughs> did you, Coke. Just one. Did you eat the donut? <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I've been like, uh, yes. <laughs> Thanks. Donuts. <laughs> Well, like I said, though, the glaze gave up because when the glaze just kind of reached its point of like no return. And, yeah. and in the South, Krispy Kremes are like, there's Jesus, then Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of how it rolls. And so if you can get one that comes hot off the rack mm-hmm. and all that yeah. stuff, yeah, when the light's on or whatever the phrase is. Um, yeah. So it was pretty special. I think we're going to have to is... go get donuts after this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't eat them, but you can enjoy. Oh, so that's fun. right. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Probably not a, not probably, a good thing. Probably, probably not. not. not so I have... Uh, Three kids, wife. I've been um, pastor at Northfield Christian Fellowship in Tremont for mm, handful of years now. Before a long that, time. yeah. For well, well I was I was I've been there time. since uh, 06. Yeah, I was youth pastor before that for about ten years, and yeah. then transitioned. So yeah. mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. So okay. it's a ton of fun. And we're yeah. going to dig into more of that. I'm excited yeah. to hear some of those stories. Yeah. But first, we have to do what is becoming one of my favorite segments of the whole thing, um, the fast facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Doug, don't be scared. I don't you get never, scared. You never know. Well, you should be scared with us because <laughs> you never know what word we're going to say. Okay, and so what, is the rule I just say whatever comes to my mind? Yes. Yeah. See, I would think you would be more scared at this point. Well, well we were raised with four brothers. Oh, okay. Well, so we're, you good. Can, we're good. We can't surprise we're, us. We're, we're equal. Good. Yeah, we're equal. <laughs> <laughs> we are equal. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Car. Fast. Hobby. Forget them. Date night. Always. Food. Chips and salsa. Yes. <laughs> Shopping. Why? <laughs> oh, poor Jess. Sports. Uh, basketball to play, football to watch. Okay. Kids. Love them. Pet. Why do you want a pet and I have to take care of it? Sorry, that was more than one word. <laughs> <laughs> That's your That's thought. right. Hot drink. Coffee. Cold drink. Water. Laughter. Infectious. Mm. Restaurant. Mm. Sugar. City or country? I think I've transitioned. I, I think I'd probably say city now. Okay. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Nice work. Mm-hmm. That wasn't scary at all. No, it wasn't. <laughs> You did very well. You did. But you guys all, surely you know as moms, the pet thing where your kids are like, I want a pet. And you're like, what you're really saying, I hear you saying you want a pet, but yeah. what you're really saying is, will you take care of my hobby? It's true. Yes. Can I just yeah. tell you, yeah. we have a rabbit thanks mm-hmm. to you, to your family. This is true. Did you ever have 22 rabbits in your garage? <laughs> no. Because we did. No. <laughs> just the one. My daughter experimented and oh, she found no. out how quickly things happen. Wow. Um, yes. How did the follow-up talk go for that? Was that was that interesting? Um, educational. Yeah. No, it was, uh, yeah. it, well, actually it was part scolding, mm-hmm. but uh-huh. um, then we did have uh, we did have an incident. We had 11 neighbor kids over in our backyard at one point, and each of them were holding a new baby bunny. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was holding a bunny that was just slightly older than, uh, than newborn. And um, an accident occurred. Uh-oh. And he killed it. Oh. No. Um, yeah. It's actually one of the funniest stories ever. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty intense. All I know is we now have a small rock in the back with uh, Snickers name written on it and a gravestone. Oh, That's no. a gravestone. So Snickers is in the ground. So how many yeah. rabbits do you currently have? Currently just two. Okay. That would be uh, Chimper and Snowflake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, we have yeah. Coover. And we've had Coover for... Mm, Almost four years. So, so Jada was responsible for that? Yeah. Yes. Oh, she'll be so excited. Yes. Yeah. And and my daughter is just she they, loves him. To be so true, much. rabbits are the simplest. Yes, they are. Now is is yours pretty tame or not really? So tame. Yes, I so mean, is ours. Just the best mm-hmm. little rabbit you would ever. Jada can take them. Yeah, kind they're of monsters. He's like a little yeah. lap dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we we put ours, we have a little like red uh, red rider wagon wagon. And they will, Jada will create a crown like or a throne in there, and she'll set the rabbits in there, and they'll sit in there while she weeds mm-hmm. the garden or plays in the yard, and they won't even get out. Yeah, that is so funny. Mm-hmm. They They've just, got it made. Yeah. Glorious. So I, I think of you all often when I 
see our, our remind the kids to feed the rabbit. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> yes. Well, Doug, part of the, um, the purpose of this podcast is seeing the beautiful in mm-hmm. the ordinary. Yeah. But we love to ask our guests this question, and we've heard a ton of feedback that people love to hear mm-hmm. our guests' answers because mm-hmm. it helps give them great perspective in their life. So what's something about you or your life that you feel is ordinary? Hmm. Yeah, when uh, I remember going through these questions when I originally was sent them, and I, because th- there was the what's what about your life is ordinary, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, everything. Yeah. I mean, it's all common for us to yeah. wake up and take nourishment, and um, if you're a believer, to take nourishment twice, mm-hmm. and um, and to have this understanding of like, yeah, this this is what we're all called to. We're all called to a daily grind mm-hmm. that no matter what. Um, is going to repeat the next day unless Jesus returns. Yeah. Okay? And so um, there's a couple perspectives you can have walking into that. Um, so that's, in terms of my life, what's ordinary, I would say what's ordinary is raising kids and being a husband and being a father and being a neighbor. And mm-hmm. um, being a pastor is very ordinary. Yeah. Um, there's really nothing that's extraordinary about that. And in terms of like, I, I'm not one in a million. Um, right. You know, there's, right. yeah, you'll yeah. find more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So ordinary, I would say, is pretty much everything that I do on a day in and day out basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that call to the daily grind. Like you're you're mm-hmm. called to do the same thing o- yeah. over and over mm-hmm. and over. And sometimes we devalue that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Seeing that as a calling. Yeah. How yeah. God's created us. You could really even call it like almost the ministry of the mundane. Mm-hmm. So there's just this picture of like the mundane things that you wake up and it's like if nobody's watching, you can really accomplish them with a pretty cruddy attitude. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. And um, and then when someone yeah. walks in your house mm-hmm. and you can like light up and animate like somehow you've been filled with the spirit the entire time <laughs> <coughs> and, and you need to just be reminded that yeah. this is, we are called yeah. to these things on a daily basis and it's yeah. like, these are, these are opportunities yeah. and exercise of the grace and mercy of God. That's so sure. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, good. so what is extraordinary about yourself? Oh, extraordinary. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I could really say one thing that's extraordinary. I think um, each each different role that someone is called into is tethered to first their identity in Christ. So I'd say what's extraordinary about me is who Christ calls me to be mm-hmm. and who He names me. And how that shapes my everyday. So mm-hmm. if at any point um, I'm like, oh man, my life is so hard because I have mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z to face. Yeah. Um, I'm missing uh, a huge understanding yeah. that God has called me to be um, his child first and foremost. There's nothing I'm going to do that's going to um, curry favor with him. Yeah. Like I'm not going to do something. He's going to go, oh, now I love Doug more. Right. Now he's finally acceptable. He's my favorite kid. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel like we're all in a seven billion tie for, <laughs> yeah, for yeah, like, like tie. our picture is on his fridge. Fridge, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Like this is my kid. <laughs> yeah, God, you say that about everybody. Yeah, true. You know? <laughs> I really don't do. you think a lot of people struggle with that, and they think if I just do this, God will love me more, mm-hmm. or God oh, will? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I hear that. I feel like I hear that a lot. Well, what do you? How would you uh, approach then? the motive for that right because it usually the outworking isn't the issue it's the motive behind the outworking that's right so what would you say is probably the the uh the motive behind why someone would get in that rut yeah there's there's probably either some identity issues Mm -hmm. where they're finding their identity in something other than jesus or they're they're, they have their eyes turned on themselves Mm -hmm. and not on heart issues yeah Yeah. heart condition identity is so interesting i was having this conversation just yesterday with someone at church and um he was saying, oh, I just hate, I hate money. It's just filthy. Mm. And he was, as a business owner, he's got things he's got to do and it's a, it's mm. a challenge. Yeah. And I said, boy, isn't it interesting? And he said, what? And I said, well, isn't it fascinating that everything that God gives us as a good gift, we can, we can deify mm. like good gifts, um, become gods yeah. so quickly. So, so money true. that's used to, to serve and expand his kingdom can also be used to serve and expand your kingdom. Yes. Yeah. And when it, when it hits that mode, then it really shifts from joy into that's labor right. mm-hmm. and obligation. Right. Yeah. Same yeah. could be said for calling or gifting that he's yeah. given you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easily shifts into that. That's so yeah. good. Doug, you mentioned when you were talking about who you are, mm-hmm. um, that you had to face grief at a really young age. Yep. Um, so you didn't know your sister. The Correct. oldest when she yes. passed away. She had leukemia and then... Um, At age four. Yes. And then she got pneumonia when she was under treatment. My parents had kind of gone out for the evening and given her over to her, um, my grandparents, I guess. And then um, she spiked a fever. And by the 
next day she had passed. And oh, so wow. she was actually buried on her fourth birthday. So it was a pretty traumatic wow. thing for my parents to kind of have faced. Yeah. So their firstborn. Firstborn. Yeah. Yep. So my parents lost their first and last born. Wow. So. And then you were how old? So tell us about Ben's life and talk to us about yeah. how old you were at that So point. Ben was my youngest brother. Um, he was 17 at the time. Um, I was a freshman in college. Mm. Um, my brother Ed and my sister Jennifer and I all went to the same school up in uh, Elgin, Judson College. And um, we got a phone call one night. He was taking a walk with a girl and um, he was near our house. And um, he was walking the same direction as traffic. And uh, a neighbor of ours who lived down the street a little ways was coming over the top of a little hill and he was changing a cassette tape. Remember those days? Yeah. And so um, he was just swerved off the side of the road and like, what one of us hasn't done that, you know? Yeah, right. And um, in the process, he struck my brother from behind mm-hmm. and uh, my brother had enough wherewithal to kind of get his arms out and, and press um, his girlfriend at the time to the side. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to survive, but he was not. So effectively, he was pretty much dead when they arrived. But because we were three hours away, they actually put him on life support until we arrived home. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Then we busted it through the middle of the night. And what was that like, and, getting that phone call? Uh, well, it was really interesting for me because um, I was at college for the first time, and my roommate was like Captain Social, and I was not. I was like, eat lunch in the corner by myself, don't talk to people. Mm. Totally different personality than what most people would say I have now. Yeah. And... Um, I actually, this was before cell phones and everything. So right. um, we had a phone that was clear plastic that I got at the mall and it would light up if you shut the ringer off. Mm. And this was like the only way I could keep it from my roommate getting calls at all hours so I could actually <laughs> sleep. And so um, the phone was boom, boom, lighting up and lighting up and it must have gone off four or five times. Yeah. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get out of bed to answer it. And finally um, I did. And it was my brother Ed and my sister and they're waiting down in the lobby. And I remember just kind of like that first piece of news, Ben's been in an accident. Dad wants us to wait here. And it wasn't long. I think we waited for, you know, 30, 40 minutes before it was like, yeah, you need to come down now. Mm. And so that was pretty traumatic for sure. So you didn't know that it was like potentially no, we knew. life and death. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's one thing that's interesting about our family is there's almost full disclosure yeah. on things like that, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which worked out pretty well. So it wasn't like you had this expectation of finding a, your living brother as opposed to. Sure. Yeah. Now he was um, technically uh, vital signs were present with the assistance of life support. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the decision that needed to be made yeah. was like, you can keep him on life support. Um, and then that was one of those signed consent forms. And mm, yeah. I would say of all the different things, um, the thing that I remember to this day that was probably the most challenging was uh, watching my dad shut off life support. Yeah. Mm. Because it was just like, no, we're not gonna, yeah. we're not gonna keep him like this. Well, two things I would say are the are the, are the most challenging. That and I was the only sibling who couldn't touch him. Mm. Like I just could not bring myself to hold his hand or while he was laying there on the bed when he was still. Um, you could still see his chest rising and falling with the, um, with the life support. And I just couldn't do it. I just could not bring myself to do it. And then just watching all that kind of unfold when dad unplugged everything was pretty, pretty challenging for sure. Yeah. Do you think that was your way of trying to hope that it wasn't real? That like, this is a dream. Hmm. Um, that's a really great question. I think, I think for me, as I, as I process that, um, probably part of it was probably protection, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, my, my last memory was the week before I was at home for the weekend and it was just shortly after my birthday and I had, um, come home for the weekend and I was walking back out the door and Ben was sitting at the kitchen table doing some homework and Ben's like, Hey turd, are you, aren't you going to hug your brother goodbye? Mm-hmm. And I remember like, that was it. Right. So I yeah. turned around, ran back up and and gave him a quick hug and then took off. Yeah. And that was like the last contact that I'd had. Um, and we shared a great relationship. So, but I do think that part of, part of not touching him was in part, maybe protection, but the other part was just fear. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to feel? Like, mm-hmm. is he already cold? Because yeah, yeah. he's, you know, just that whole piece of yeah. he's unresponsive and, and the internal rejection of like holding his hand and, and even like squeezing no and response. seeing no response yeah. to me almost would have been more crushing, I yeah. think. Yeah. Because he was really full of life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was not a normal rumbled. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I, just in terms of most of us are pretty sh- reserved. Um, 
and he just wasn't. I mean, he was his big thing was uh, he he volunteered with special needs at school, and mm-hmm. so like half of his day at school was spent in the special needs room, and he mm-hmm. just. If kid had a special needs challenge, they were like Ben's best friend. He was there. Oh, yeah, totally. And so it was really helpful. Well, and I have to tell you, when you said you don't really know how to answer the extraordinary question, Mm -hmm. I would just like to point out something to Mm -hmm. us that is extraordinary about you. And that is that you, um, you know that we walked through a situation similar to this just Mm -hmm. back in March with our sister-in-law, Jenna, and she Mm -hmm. lost her 16-year-old brother to an accident. And Heidi felt like she was supposed to reach out to you and mm-hmm. say, like, help. Yeah. We've not been through this before. We know that mm-hmm. you have. And just the way that you said, whatever I can do, mm-hmm. yes. And you've met with their family mm-hmm. and, yeah. and talk, you talked Heidi through how does she help yeah. Jenna, our mm-hmm. sister, mm-hmm. process this. And yeah. you gave her such great advice that, honestly, she shared with the rest of us and we mm-hmm. clung to in, yeah. that, in that moment. Oh, so for great. me, I just want to say, like, that's extraordinary. Yeah, That's oh. something that is yeah. one in a million because well, not th- everyone can do that. I think the transition from <clears throat> from ordinary to extraordinary is Christ in you. Yes. Because I think that the biggest piece that comes up is like, that. I don't have knowledge yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, that's natural. Yeah. And so when I operate in the natural, everything's ordinary about yeah, me. That's right. Um, that's and right. I think that's probably that's a helpful right. distinction for me. But don't you yeah. think it's so valuable when you've walked through something and then you're willing mm-hmm. to help someone else who's yeah. walking through it? Because not everyone is. Not everyone is willing to share that intimacy, that intimate part of their life and say, here, let me help you feel this pain because I've felt this pain myself. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of um, just being able to walk through those seasons, I, I think what um, what then begins to crystallize in my mind in terms of purpose for, mm-hmm. for suffering or affliction, especially in the case of Ben, for example, mm-hmm. and then being able to reach out and have that great conversation with Jen and her family was, I mean, to me, that's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, not in a weird right. sense, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, that's totally enjoyable for me. Yes. Um, and here's why. So when Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who Mm -hmm. comforts us. And I love what he says. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So the any and all piece, look at that. Yes. Um, That the purpose of it is that we be a comfort to people. And that comfort is going to look vastly different to the grieving family who's lost a kid tragically um, or the wife whose husband decides to walk out. And um, But God's equipped us through the suffering that we face to be able to provide comfort that looks like the Holy Spirit because we're mimicking the image yeah. that's inside of us. That's so good. Yeah. Wow, that is so good. So so you were young at the time. I mean, relatively. I was 19, 18, 19. Yeah. But you'd been raised in this family of faith, belief in Jesus. Did you struggle at all with feeling Never. angry towards God? Never. Never. And and here's why. I thought about that question because yeah. when people ask this question, that is one of the hardest things that, for them to overcome is um, just the anger at God. Like, why would you allow such things? Yeah. And I can genuinely say with every conviction, every fiber of conviction in my being that I never once. Wow. And, um, why is that, you think? My dad's example. Mm-hmm. So what my dad did that was absolutely critical um, that I still cannot get over to this day is I remember um, the gentleman who came, he's since passed. Um, and actually my parents had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord, which is another mm. incredible story. The gentleman that hit him? Yes. Wow. So um, he, that was a phone call that was amazing. But anyway, that, what happened was then, um, when, you know, when people die tragically, others will come to the house to provide comfort, right? Yeah. And so people were coming over and the house was just full of people. And so, um, Mark comes to the door and as he comes to the door, my dad grabs all of us, like all of us siblings, everything pulls us to the side. He goes, how many of you have been driving for a while now? Of course, every one of us has. And he goes, how many of you have swerved off the side of the road? Like all, all of us. And he goes, and there's nothing here to be upset about. And he said, um, I want you to understand something. This guy's at the door. He is crushed because he took a life and, and rightfully so. Like that's a really crushing thing. Um, but you have the opportunity right now to walk up there and you have the opportunity to just say, I forgive you. He may not even ask for it, wow. but if you just say, I forgive you, you will recognize later in life that bitterness won't take root or hold. Wow. And, um, and so I remember walking out there and seeing Mark and talking to him for the first time and then just saying, Mark, I, I want you to understand something. 
I forgive you and I hold no ill will against you. I've done the same thing a hundred times, swerved off the side of the road, gone outside the white line, whatever you want to call it. Um, But yours happened to be at a very critical time and I'm so sorry. You know, and wow. so I can honestly say, like, ever since that, never a, a shred of... How um, did he respond to that? He was crushed. I mean, it was... I think it was really humbling. Yeah. Um, and honestly, he avoided our family for some time. Like, he would see mom or dad in the grocery store, and he would nod and kind of go the other way. Yeah. And I think, obviously, sure. there's some there's shame that's attached sure. to that. Yeah. But when um, his cancer became so great that he um, was just really questioning things, and he was literally on his deathbed, um, he called my parents in. Mm-hmm. And he asked my dad that question. I go, how, I, all these years, and this was seven years later, all these years um, I've been struggling. Why? Why would you forgive me when I took the life of your son? Mm-hmm. And then dad got the chance to kind of like unpack the gospel to him. Mm-hmm. And then, right, I mean, literally right before he dies, the guy receives Jesus. Wow. And I remember I was driving back. My wife and I had taken a weekend trip to the beach because we lived in, um, the Lord's state, North Carolina. <laughs> and, uh, we were driving back from the beach and my cell phone rings and I, and I answered and dad's like, Hey, just want to let you know, Mark just passed, but guess what? Mm-hmm. And he tells wow. me the story. I'm like, I'll never forget. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty incredible. I mean, that's just the beautiful picture of God making everything new, mm-hmm. you know, taking something that is, you know, that we would see as so, so tragic and it is, and yeah. then just redeeming it. Well, you see this picture play out like in, in Romans eight, when, when Paul says that God causes all things to work together for good yes. for those who love him are called according to his prayer. The problem with all things is that it means literally everything that happens to you. Yeah. And so you don't have the proper perspective until you zoom out. Mm. And so while God in his kindness and his mercy may actually choose to work something out in the immediate near term, yeah. just because he's that kind of a God, yeah. that he's that personal and, yeah. and, and merciful. Yes. But sometimes it might be years. Yes. But in this case, he chose to work it out like this. And for us, we're forever thankful because what it did was it produced um, just greater faith in us that like it's about faithful obedience yes. over the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's pretty pretty challenging That's... for sure. And is the way you were able to respond based on your dad's example, is that pretty much how your siblings have also responded? Yeah, I don't know that any of them would say, I mean, I can't speak for all of them, but I don't think that any of them would say that they held any ill will toward Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I could probably say that was some pretty strong conviction that I don't think so. Did you have people come alongside you to help you walk through that? Oh, for sure. Like you came alongside Jenna's family? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had probably two examples. Uh, One's kind of funnier. I have a a roommate, same roommate, Captain Social. Um, (laughs) uh, His name was Dave. And uh, he was horribly uncomfortable with the whole situation because what do you do with tragic death, right? I mean, it's not like dinner party conversation. And so it's just not normative. And so I remember um, he comes down and he always made fun of me because all my friends, they were in the suburbs or in Chicago and, you know, they never had seen a cornfield and it, sure. I don't know. And so it was really traumatic for them kind of coming yeah, down and seeing sure. just like, wow, this is so weird. And they would always call Ed and I rednecks and all that. <laughs> and um, my favorite uh, line during, because I didn't speak for three days, I didn't say a word um, mm-hmm. apart from kind of prep for the funeral stuff. But I remember sitting on a bench with Dave in my house and he's looking out at our driveway. My parents live out in the country outside of Morton. And, um, and he goes, do I have, do I have permission to say something funny? And I'm like, sure. And he goes, you might be a redneck if 27 cars are parked in your driveway and no one's double parked. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so so he came alongside, he was actually great. Um, just at just the right time, he would provide an infusion of laughter that would be really helpful. Um, it was my first year at college, first year away from parents and family and that sort of a thing. So that was really helpful. Um, the other one, uh, my brother Ed and my sister Jen were instrumental. Um, I was obviously now youngest by default in the family and, um, probably needy by all accounts. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what would end up happening then is I'd go to basketball practice and I'd make it through maybe half. And then I'd break down like a Mm -hmm. teenage girl Mm -hmm. and just cry and cry and cry and not, you know, couldn't explain it and just, yeah. yeah. And so Ed and Jen would kind of take turns waiting outside of basketball practice until I hit my moment and then they would kind of walk Mm -hmm. me through it. But probably one of the biggest ones was, uh, one of my professors, Dr. Steve, um, he actually ended up doing our wedding. So you met him, I think. And, um, he he knew after a couple of weeks, like, Doug is not a social guy. So he's going to be a recluse mm-hmm. and he's going to bury this grief and it's not going to be good. 
And so I remember on a Friday, I came back to class and Dr. Steve's in my room and he's like sitting and, you know, professors don't do that. Right. right. <laughs> and so I came walking in and he was, um, he was just sitting there in my chair. I'm like, um, hi. <laughs> he goes, pack your bags. I'm like, what do you mean pack your bags? Pack your bags. Two weeks. Mm. What for? He's like, you're coming to live with Jan and I. Oh. And so he took me in and for the next two weeks I lived at his house wow. and, um, his wife would make me breakfast every morning and then every night after he and her would get home from work and I'd get home from school and basketball, we'd just sit there and counsel on the couch and he just walked me through grief. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's kind of where the transformation initially in my personality began to happen mm -hmm. is where I began to learn how to process those um, emotions in a, in a constructive way. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So you said you have a degree in counseling? Uh, no. So here's how it works. We, um, I finished college with a, um, degree in youth ministry, okay. adolescent studies, and biblical studies. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I did a master's all but okay. like two classes. Okay. And then I, I just really bumped into disagreement with the philosophy behind it. Okay. And so I took a step back. Okay. Um, and then uh, I did end up going back to school to get um, to go through seminary. Okay. Um, so I have a, a master's in path, uh, pastoral theology and then um, currently in process of just being certified biblically for counseling. So was part of that what you walked through and what he walked mm -hmm. you through, was that part of your decision to, to go down that road? Well, I do think, I, I do think I've always kind of had a counseling heart. Okay. Um, yeah. Probably two of the stronger gifts that God has given me is okay. somewhere in line of uh, preaching, teaching and counseling. Those, okay. maybe yeah. those three. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just neat to see God send you someone yes. in the same line that you were already yep. walking down. No, he awesome. was, he was excellent. Um, very formative in my college years for sure. That's mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. I think it's important for listeners to, maybe they're walking through grief. You know, yeah. I think of our own sister-in-law, um, to hear what's coming out of you mm -hmm. is that there's still hope. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. That you walked through such tragedy, but you are happily married. You have beautiful children. You're, you know, you are successful in life and, um, you have the hope of Jesus and, I've been so proud to see our sister mm -hmm. choose that hope every day going, mm -hmm. I'm going to choose hope and mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to take steps forward towards Jesus instead of letting any bitterness take root. And I just think that that's so crucial for people as they face these battles and these storms in life because they always <coughs> come. The battles always mm -hmm. come and we get to determine how we fight through them. How we respond, how for we sure. How we respond. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think if you're asking the question like what's on the other side of grief or, or how would you counsel someone who's in deep grief? Yeah. First about it's about perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, if, if someone is in deep grief and they have a relationship with Jesus, that means they have a covenant relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And it's even made more clear for the individual who's married, who, who's in a covenant relationship, but primarily speaking, cause everybody who walks with Jesus, they don't have to be, you know, single or married. They, they're in this space where it's like, Covenant defines everything. And one of the things that I love about covenant is it takes away the urgency. Mm -hmm. So the urgency to say if you're in a if you're in a grief filled space that you must get out of it. Because wow. what we tend to do with anything trial or suffering or hardship is like, how can I get out? Get me get me out of this. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm done done with this. Yeah. And what God is saying is, no, no, no. Don't desire escape. Embrace this. Mm -hmm. um, and you see this all through the Psalms. Mm -hmm. Right? You see, like in Psalm 42, yeah. the psalmist says, um, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before you? So this dude's like hungry for Jesus, yeah, right? Yeah. But look what he says next. My tears have been my food day and night. Mm -hmm. Like when, when tears are literally your morsels yeah. um, that sustain you, mm -hmm. that your life stinks. Yeah. Like real bad. And then yeah. he says this. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Wow. So that's the first thing we need to understand about grief is that grief will automatically make you question God's existence or love. Wow. And, um, and if we can begin to understand that, that um, grief's accusation is that God has left the building, yeah. um, then we can begin to properly and aggressively handle grief in a way that's Christ-centered because what he ends up saying is these things I will remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God so like I'm remembering worship yes. like <laughs> the gathering of people yeah. together to celebrate the presence of God is yes. what I'm really about yes um, 
with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. And then he says this, it's like he's having this little self because we speak the most to ourselves. And so he says, <laughs> yeah. why are you cast down O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He's like, you know, like wake up, like, yeah. you know, just kind of like rousing himself yeah. Yeah. hope in God for I shall again, praise him, my salvation and my God. Mm. And so, um, it's trite to say things will get better. Right. Yeah. Um, right. it's not trite to say, um, God is with you. Yeah. Be patient. Yeah. Endure for a little while. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's it, because there's no quick, easy fix to it. Right. You know, I talk to um, people all the time. I actually ran into Jenna's father at a concert last Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, he he's said, such a good man. Dude's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. so solid. And um, we're having just this brief conversation and it's just kind of asking him. And he goes, Yeah, they're like waves. And when we began to talking about, um, do you know how sometimes like when you're playing in the ocean and it's just like you're smiling, you're looking at your kids and then bam, you just get hit. Like, yeah. What was that? Yeah. And um, that's kind of how grief can be. Yeah. But right? that's For, normal, right? Yes, totally. Yeah. 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 And so if you're, if you're a listener and you're going, oh, I am walking through something that just won't quit. Yeah. I, I don't like to promise um, that there will be a day that it gets better mm-hmm. in that light. What I do like to say is that um, Jesus is about trumping everything in your life. Yeah. And becoming your highest priority and your highest good. Um, because when he says, like, for example, in Hebrews 12, when um, after walking through this whole hall of faith, when we learn all about these people who have great examples of faith. Yeah. And then you get to verse 1 and it says, therefore, since we're cl- surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, like this really rousing, powerful thing. Yeah. And then it gets to verse 2 and you're like, well, I don't like that at all. <laughs> because it says for the, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Right. But we look to Jesus who is the, it says the author and perfecter. Yeah. So that means like start to finish of our faith. So start to finish. That means like Jesus's joy is set before us. So mm-hmm. it's like something that's up here. Yeah. That means the path in between can be really treacherous. But the difference is that we have a savior who by God's grace, like he came and lived our life and died our death and rose back to life to put his spirit in us. Yes. So that way our, his joy is before us as an end destination, yes. but now his joy is in us too. Yes. Right. And that shapes everything for how you, how you process. Like in Psalm 16, uh, I think it's 1611 says, you make known to me the paths of life mm-hmm. and in your presence is fullness of joy. joy. Yes. Yeah. So that fullness of joy will one day you will be at a point. I can promise you that your grief at one point will be such a forgotten memory mm-hmm. in light of God's saving and powerful grace. I can promise you that if you love Jesus, I can promise you that I can't promise right here that things are going to get better. Right. So God did come to give us um, an abundant life, mm-hmm. not better life circumstances. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. There, there is a theme. <laughs> yeah. Because we're in a series right now at church um, called The Others. Mm-hmm. And it's about the people that, you know, Hebrews 11 talks about the heroes of the faith. And yeah. then it, it has the passage where it just doesn't list all of the names. But it lists some like crazy things like being some, sawn in two. Like and some the, crazy yeah. thing. Like this is yeah. stuff you read to your boys at night. Exactly. Right? Exactly. exactly. So we're. They escape the edge of the sword. They, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We're going out in the woods with weapons, dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with a hatchet. So my husband preached yesterday on um, that passage and touched a little bit on the Hebrews 12 and Abraham. And then our, we had a guest just before you and she mm-hmm. used the exact same passage. Yeah. So yeah. there seems to be a theme. Well, I just think it's so cool because. The purpose of this podcast Mm -hmm. has never been about, what are we going to say? It's Mm -hmm. always like, what does God want to say to people? How is the Holy Spirit leading? Yes. What is he speaking to? Not just our people, but collectively to his people. Yes. Yeah. So that's so cool. Okay. So we're going to turn a little bit from from the life of Ben and Mm -hmm. all that you learned through walking through that. And I want to talk about your sweet wife. Mm -hmm. So This won't be hard for me. I know. (laughs) You're a pretty big fan. First of all, I have to say... That you and Jessica are really good friends, yeah. but you also look alike, and you get mistaken we for sisters. Yeah. When you were in high school, people thought you were sisters. I would oh, have people even now. run yeah. into me in yeah. public, yeah. tell me full-on stories, and I'm like, I do not know who you are. And then they'd be like, well, Jessica, you remember such and such? I'm like, oh, I'm not Jessica. And you're like, I'm Heidi. Yeah. And they would then and be I'm like, Heidi, idiots. and this is my husband, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is how exactly. we roll. Yeah. Exactly. So... But, okay, so Jessica and I have been friends a really long time. For sure. And she she's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. She's super driven. Mm-hmm. She's been successful at everything she sets her hand to. For sure. Um, she's had to walk through a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, mm-hmm. so you married this strong, capable, competent woman. How does marriage play out in your home? Oh, 
Well, I screwed it up royally for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Um, part of it was just, hmm, what's the best way to say this? Um, I thought I was being so helpful mm-hmm. just in how I would relate to her. So I came out of college and um, I have this, uh, by God's grace, a memory that's like a snapshot, right? Okay. So um, not on all things, right? So like if Jessica's asked me to accomplish something and if I don't do it like right then, right? But if it's something I'm reading or if it's something that I see, like a movie, I, if I watch a movie one time, I could probably quote a good chunk of it back to you. Oh, yeah, that's not Just, me. Yeah, that, that's me. And it's <laughs> it's sometimes a curse because it's like, yeah. So when Ben died, yeah. the way that I would go to sleep at night in college was uh, I kept... Um, Plato, Socrates, and all first century writers next to my bed in a book called Philosophical Questions. Mm-hmm. And I would read that book until I fell asleep because I would go, I gotta exhaust my mind before I can sleep. Yeah. That was about all I could do. But um, in, <clears throat> in our marriage, I would come out, I came out of college and when Jessica and I had started dating and um, with like the reading a scripture to me and then it just sticks, I don't need to memorize it. Like she'd talk to me about study habits and my study habits were like, well, I read it. I didn't, I didn't make note cards that were color coordinated like you did. (laughs) Like she, she's very organized like that. I'm not. And, um, and so what ended up happening then was, uh, she would be describing to me, um, her experiences with the Lord. Right. And, um, I didn't have categories for it. (laughs) And so, um, what ended up happening was I'm trying to feel these experiences that she's having you know, seeing someone healed, just things like this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> and, uh, and so what would end up happening then is I would try to, um, try to help corral that by um, providing different scriptures that would correlate so that she could draw back from scripture, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking I'm being helpful because I'm trying to root her in the word of God. Pointing her to scripture, yeah. Exactly. But when when your wife is speaking and you're trying to like, yeah, just here, it's in Hebrews 11. Yeah. Or it, yeah, just, and you start doing that, like yeah. real quickly, she's like, keep, you know, like, we're done. Yeah. Like, I'm done talking to you about this because I can't, you know. And mm-hmm. honestly, um, by God's grace, like you talked about her um, her perseverance. Yeah. What ended up happening is the Lord just began to open up doors where she began to um, really grow in some ways where she could speak back to me some of those frustrations. Mm-hmm. And only in the last, I don't know how many years I would say, but and more recently, she's begun to speak back to me those ways in which I was unhelpful. And so um, I would say I probably looked at it like a threat. I probably looked at her. Her strength. Her, her strength is okay. a threat. Um, and that um, is primarily due to my insecurity, not to her strength. Mm-hmm. And so it was a learning curve for the both of us. Yeah. Um, for like, what's that look like? Because I would say for a long time, the unintended consequence of my leadership or my, not even leadership, but just of my loving of my spouse turned out to be like, if you can picture, um, if you can picture a large garbage can with a lid, Mm -hmm. right? It's like putting, putting Jessica in that and just keeping the lid on. So like Mm -hmm. her personality, the way that God has gifted her, the way that he shaped her and, um, un, unintentionally I'm keeping the lid on that. Mm. And so as she's begun to grow and blossom, she's been able to speak more candidly and more freely about those things, more graciously about those things that Mm. um, were a a driving challenge for her. And um, that ended up shaping then how I responded. Like, wow, I really, I've really missed it. Like I've, you know, I I had in my mind kind of coming into marriage, here's what a good marriage will look like, right? Like we're going to be eating eggs and drinking coffee together in the morning and then we'll hold hands as we read scripture and, yeah. you know, like all yeah. this stuff. It's just yeah. not that. Yeah. It's just not even close to conventional. Yeah. Our lives yeah. our lives are so different from almost everyone we know because yeah. of our unique challenges yeah. that it's easy for me to go, where was the ideal that I thought I was getting? Sure. Yeah. And, um, and unintentionally, I would almost try to cram our relationship into that ideal. And so as I began to think through what, what is, uh, what does a husband really do for his wife? And I think, um, if Christ died for the church, if he, um, got under her to lift her up, then ought not a husband be doing the same thing. Um, and by God's grace and and a couple of trusted friends and the power of the Holy spirit to really convict me that, um, I were, I presented in my wife's life, some of the greatest challenges Mm -hmm. just by how I related to her in a way that wasn't helpful. Mm, And so, um, when you say, Oh, you 
married a strong girl. I did. Mm -hmm. And praise God for it. Because mm -hmm. what happens is she wasn't going to give up. So she also understood covenant way better. Like I can remember, I did my college research thesis on uh, divorce and its effects. Mm -hmm. And so my wife is a child of a divorce. <clears throat> and um, one of the things that ended up happening is she would... If we'd talk through things and maybe things would get a little bit tense when we were dating and then, and then we went through some seasons where things were a challenge and then we finally got married and I can remember our first fight like mm. the first like duke it out like yeah. you're wrong I'm right type yeah. of thing right <clears throat> and like a two year old <laughs> I, um, I'm standing there and we have like this entertainment center and I'm, I'm like so frustrated that I like boom, I hit the entertainment center <laughs> with my hand it was just like a piece of wood like hit yeah. with my hand and she stands nose to nose with me and she's like I am not fighting with a two year old <laughs> And she and she walks out of the room, and my first like this flood of emotion comes over me, and I'm like, <laughs> and and all I could think was, she's gonna go get a paperwork for a divorce. Like this is over, you know? Oh like, my goodness! Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm a little emotional, and so uh, <laughs> that happens. And I remember climbing in bed that night, and I'm sitting there, and she's ticked off, and I'm ticked off, and and I'm and I'm trying to like navigate this discussion, yeah. and she goes, and I said, well. And, and I kind of posed it like, does this mean that you're so upset you're going to like leave or what? I forget what I said. <laughs> and she looks at me and she kind of chuckles and she goes, no, I'm just really ticked off with you right now. Yeah. Okay. And and I guess what I would say about covenant that's been so helpful and having somebody that God has gifted in the way that he has Jess is um, she's just not going to give up. Yeah. Like when she said, I want you to be my husband, I want you she to be my it. husband. She yeah. meant yeah. it. Yeah. And she's not giving up on that. Yeah. And one of the most beautiful things is even through the ugliest times when I couldn't wait to get out of the ugly. Yeah. Like when, when uh, we talked about grief and we like, get me out of this place. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. You know, as Jess and I were walking through some, um, some marital issues that God was working out, I would get to the point where I'd say, so how long do you think we're going to kind of be in this space? And she'd be like, I don't know. But I'm not leaving here until God teaches me everything he needs to teach yeah. me. Yeah, that's so and, good. Because um, I don't want to return here. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you don't learn the lesson, you're coming right back. Right. Yeah. So, the, and I, honestly, <laughs> if it were up to me and if she would have been following my lead on that, um, we wouldn't have experienced the deep healing that we have. Wow. And so. Um, so you guys yeah. really let each other, like, where the, the word of God talks about how iron sharpens iron. Oh, for sure. You guys mm -hmm. are letting each other do that. Well, it's been a long while that my the, the example that I've had in marriage toward my wife had, had made it so that my voice was hardest for her to hear. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would say only recently, I, I couldn't really put a time frame on it, but only more recently has she turned um, more favorably toward mm -hmm. uh, teaching her instruction or sharpening mm -hmm. from me, um, mm -hmm. primarily you because it's my heart change. Are you on year 15? Uh, what's it going to be, 2018? It'll be 14th. Okay. Yeah. So that, so it, I mean, it's not like your newlyweds. Right. This and so we've journey. had, yeah, yeah well, yeah. and and I would say that in part, um, part of it was just the process that God had to bring us both through. So like we worked with what we knew. Yeah. So I would say even up until three years ago, our marriage by all accounts and even by our own accounts was probably about as good as you could really imagine. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was, it was a good example to others. It was, um, but there were just some things that were just kind of buried that it took God a while to kind of, yeah give both of us courage to speak and sure. it's just taking time. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's very um, humble of you to share that. Yeah. Oh, thank you you trust me. It's not, <laughs> it's uh, I think I would be doing a disservice if um, as a, just as a believer, I think we can kind of get to this point where it's like, well, I should have matured past a certain point yeah. and um, I'm here to tell you I haven't. And so it's actually, it's actually a good and freeing thing to yeah. say, um, yeah. I haven't figured it all out. Right. And I'm it's probably not going to. Yep. It's going to be, yeah. I, we talk about, we've been talking about the wilderness a lot recently and just that the wilderness has a, uh, a point. Yep. There's a point to the wilderness and it yeah. doesn't last forever. Yeah. Um, but, but how beautiful it is when you come out and you realize, yeah. oh, that was, that was, you don't usually yeah. notice it in it. Are you, are you thinking in terms of uh, wilderness? Because I, I guess when I consider biblical wilderness, I'm thinking of like, um, Sometimes you can be kept in the wilderness by your sin and choices, right? Sure, the nation right. of Israel. Sure. Um, other times, as preparation, like that's, Moses and Jesus, you're sent. Right. Yes, that's, um, that's the, wilderness. the wilderness I'm talking about. Right. That place so, where you feel like there's. Yeah. It, it's a little dry. It's a little. You're not sure what yep. the next step looks like, mm -hmm. but yeah. but God's got you there to prepare yeah. you for something. Yeah, I, I think I would like to say, like, when you consider, or if you're a listener here, going, "Oh, what is the purpose of this?" Um, I think what often happens in in our lives as believers is um, the beauty of obedience mm -hmm. 
Um, our youth pastor always says it this way. Um, Obedience is never hard, but it's always worth it. Just real simple. And um, one of the things I love about that phrase is uh, obedience is not necessarily knowing the outcome, Mm -hmm. but it's stepping out in faith because you know the one who has come. It's a big difference. right? So if he was willing to take steps um, toward us in that way, that's a big, that's a big shift. Yeah. We don't have a ton of time left here, Doug, but I do want to touch on, um, so you and Jess had to walk through watching your firstborn go through cancer at a really young age. Yes. Can you talk to us about Jada's journey? Um, <laughs> I know that's kind of a big, heavy Yeah. Uh, well, snapshot for listeners if they don't know. Um, in 2010, my wife was pregnant with our third, and we were in Oklahoma visiting friends. And she had uh, a gallbladder attack, um, you know, pain that felt like a heart attack, essentially. And um, we were homeschooling our daughter, Jada, at the time. And Oliver was two, so he wasn't in school yet. And um, we, Jessica just got to a point where it was like, there's no way I can do this. So this is right before Thanksgiving. And so um, we come home from Thanksgiving and go through the process of kind of enrolling Jada. Um, we waited for a little while because it was basically... Um, couple of weeks after uh thanksgiving before we actually did the scan sure so we took jada in she had um a physical to get ready to go to school and in that physical um doctor from our church discovered like a football-sized tumor in her abdomen and um then they diagnosed her with uh a wilms tumor to begin with Mm -hmm. um and then that was on new year's eve of 2010 and then the 3rd of January, so Jess and I's anniversary is on the 2nd. And on the 3rd of January, we had um, surgery. Jada did. She had a, like a two-and-a-half-pound-sized tumor removed. How old was she? She was five at the time. Oh. And so um, that was on the 3rd. And then on the 10th, they got all the results back from that. And, and they said, well, it's actually a lot worse. It's not a Wilms tumor. It's actually a clear cell sarcoma of the kidney, which is super rare. So we need her to come back in tomorrow morning for more scans, and we're going to determine what your treatment will be. And um, Jessica at this point was two weeks maybe, or close to two weeks overdue with Pierce. Mm -hmm. And so middle of the night, she gets up to go to the bathroom, and she comes walking back, and I hear her kind of breathing out a contraction in the middle of the living room. I'm like, hey, (laughs) what's happening over there? And uh, so we called the midwife, and there was a a blizzard that evening, so the midwife didn't quite make it. And... um, my brother and I kind of helped deliver the baby, so it was special. And uh, we had another friend present, um, a dear friend in that flutter who was awesome, stood in the gap. Um, and then that was then the next morning on the um, on the eleventh, the morning that Pierce was born, was when we took Jada back in for scans. And so from that point, she had treatment from then until August, um, chemo and radiation and all that good stuff. And then Pierce got to be with his mom and Oliver was kind of in between. He would stay with her and sometimes go to be with cousins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you were really the one that had to be by I did all, walk her yes, through that. Yeah, I yeah. spent every night in the hospital with her. She was um, like a week at a time. We'd be in the hospital, then two days home, then a week, then two days, then a week. Then. Yeah. So the church was awesome. They gave me a sabbatical during that time. Um, not super restful, but, uh, it worked out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but again, the church came alongside in a pretty tremendous way. Um, picked up the, picked up all the additional work that happens when both parents really can't do anything. So that was pretty awesome. Um, Oh, I see what that journey was like. Um, challenging. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the first time I swore at God. But you're, it's like you're walking through your worst nightmare, yeah. watching your child suffer. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think what ends up happening a lot of times is you can, uh, the whole blaming of God or one of the questions I think that would come out of this is, um, you know, how, I'm trying to think what would be, is God actually good to allow this? Or if, mm-hmm. if he is allowing this, um, you know, what, what can be learned from it? And I, and I think how would you parent your kids differently as a result of this might be a question, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I would say first and foremost, they're not my kids. Mm-hmm. They're God's. Yeah. And so they're on loan. Mm-hmm. And um, and when they're on loan, he's entrusting to me another human soul. I mean, is there anything more terrifying than saying, here's another soul? Right? <laughs> yeah, not really. Here, just, no. just hold this, nurture this, bring it to maturity in Christ. We'll catch up. Yeah. Like, uh, what? Yeah. You know, like, you got to be kidding sure? me. <laughs> yeah. This is the do plan? You, do you know me? Like, 
I know that we're like your greatest creation, but this is still a little, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and so that is pretty, I, I think what happened was I, by God's grace, very early in that process, she's just not my daughter. She's God's. And so God, if you want her, she's yours. If you don't want her, teach me. Yeah. Um, because I don't have any inkling of how to handle this. And so, um, that was probably one of the greatest challenges learning how to navigate that because we've done that. Um, there was a second occurrence of cancer where Jada was miraculously healed, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, she actually had a brain tumor the second time Mm -hmm. and, um, watching how God worked in that situation and how it broke some of the challenges. So Jada came out of that time the first time, um, with lots of anger and struggled big time. Um, and, and just, you know, somebody be like, oh, Jada, I prayed for you. And she'd be like, yeah, right, get away. You know, yeah. just, it was hard for yeah, her. Yeah, let's like, sure. not go back there. I don't want to be known for that. Yeah. 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 I don't want to be known because I'm the one who everybody prayed for. Yeah. And um, so we kind of walked that path a little bit. And then when the second uh, occurrence of cancer happened, she actually had a little um, tumor on her frontal lobe. Um, and we had to wait eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And in that phase uh, of waiting for eight weeks, I mean, it's just screaming and headaches tears and pain and you know debilitating type stuff for her and then she had the second scan and um the the moment she had the second scan everything stopped and um and then after four days of waiting they finally called us with the results and said look we looked at both of these we don't see a thing on the second one and we can't believe it it's it's right here they showed me and um and and for jada that was the thing that turned it and, wow. and so now there's, um, I, she's not shouting from the rooftops that she's a yeah. cancer survivor, but she certainly is someone who, um, if someone says something, she'll engage the conversation like mm-hmm. an adult. And yeah. it's pretty amazing to see what God has done in her. It really shaped a very strong piece in her. She's 12 now, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, and so one of the ways in that he's really begun to do things is she has such a passionate heart. So she writes, um, songs, mm-hmm. she plays a guitar and the piano. It's kind of fun to watch how, um, God has used her. She's very much very driven, very um, passionate. Yeah. And so th- some of the songs that she sings are just incredible. Well, She's I'm, so, go ahead. I just was going to say that in God's grace and mercy, mm-hmm. he allowed her to go through that second tumor mm-hmm. to, to heal her heart. Yep. Not just heal her physically, but yeah. to heal her heart. Yeah. Like, and something that we might walk through, I think, we overlook this so often that is a hard thing is a mm-hmm. trial is something yeah. that we're like, God, get us out of this. And he's actually using it to heal oh, yeah. something else in us that yeah. we didn't even know. Well, think about Jesus yeah. when he, on the night of the last supper, when he's saying, here's my body, here's my blood. Yeah. And do you know what he said? Like when he, when he takes the cup after giving thanks, like when was the last time you gave thanks for the thing that was going to crush you? Yeah. Like, have you ever thought about that? Yeah. Wow. I mean, just how powerful that yeah. is to say, thank you. Mm. You know, though he slay me, still I'm going to praise him. Yes. Like there's this picture of like, yeah. it's paradoxical if you're not a believer. Yeah. It's actually um, insane if you're not a believer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it's one thing as an adult to recognize that and to go through that. But as a child, in yeah. Jada's case, like for her to have that experience, to yeah. be able, and she may not even fully recognize it until <laughs> she gets to a certain yes. point in her life. Yeah. Well, Jess and I, I think one of the places where you could most readily see this is, we're standing in line at a grocery store and she's got the big bow on her head and just bald, shiny head. She had the cutest little head <laughs> and um, she's sitting there and, you know, someone's like, Oh, I like your bow. And she had a little bit of peach fuzz kind of coming back, you know, and she's like, Oh, I really love your hair. Did you, and this person actually thought it was like a haircut. Oh, wow. Like, Oh, did you just get your haircut or whatever? And she goes, no, it's just cancer. <gasps> just like it was commonplace. You wow. know? And this person was totally taken back and, and we just had to explain to Jada, like, that's, it's just not normal, dear. It's yeah. sweet that you're <laughs> that resilient, but wow. it's just not normal. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really one of those places where you're like, this is why God, like, we looked at the difference in our kids and we're like, yeah, yeah. the right one got right cancer. One, yeah. <laughs> like, if you could ever say it like that, that yeah. there, there was something about her strength. The way she's wired. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's like a little mini Jess. With her ability yet, to per, like, in a sense, yeah, there there is a there is a yes, yeah, persistence, um, perseverance without um, regard of recourse yeah. is certainly yeah. her. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because six years ago, my son was in the hospital, mm-hmm. and you guys and Jada came yep. up to visit us, and I'll never forget that night because there was just like this tenderness of having this family in our space that knew what it was like to be. In a really hard spot there. Mm -hmm. And I remember Jada brought up a little stuffed pillow for Crosley. Yep. And 
Jessica said, you know, she can't come and visit someone in the hospital and not give them something. Correct. Because she experienced that. <laughs> and so she gave Crosley this pillow, and to this day, it is in his bed. But um, through Jada's story, mm-hmm. as we've walked through Crosley's healing, we've always mm-hmm. been really open with our kids about who we're praying for, yep. what we're praying for, what we're believing over them. Yeah. Even if it seems impossible, you know, God is the God of miracles. We mm-hmm. believe that he can do the impossible. And I remember getting that call from Jess saying, we got more scans. There's a spot on her brain. Mm-hmm. And Crosley was old enough at this point where we were having a conversation at breakfast. And I said to him, I said, you remember Jada who mommy's talked about, you know, my friend Jessica and mm-hmm. she gave you that pillow. Oh yeah. I sleep with that frog yeah. every night. I said, she's maybe really yeah. sick mm-hmm. and there's a spot on her brain that we need to pray that Jesus just takes it away. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay. And he, he's young at the time. And don't the you next... love how, don't you love how kids don't question it? Um, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next morning he comes back, we're at the breakfast table and I said, oh buddy, we need to remember to pray for Jada. And he just, as if it was just commonplace, he said, oh, I already did. Jesus said he's already healed her. Oh, that's awesome. And I just remember being dumbfounded and yeah. almost like, Oh, but what if it doesn't happen? Yeah. And then you fast forward eight weeks and the healing was there. Yeah. And I just thought, man, what it impacted me because it was that faith of a child Mm -hmm. of like, if Jesus says it, then it is so. Yeah. And that was his belief. And then when Mm -hmm. I went back to him, like, guess what? Jesus healed Jada. He's like, I know, (laughs) you know, but this isn't a newsflash. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like Jada's life has been impacting even the youngest, you know, around her. I know she knows that. Um, yeah, she is, uh, man, I love that girl. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just, there's a, um, a depth of understanding. Jess and I often do this, right? So she's at the age now where sometimes there's some like banter yep. that, that happens where Jess and I kind of look at each other and we'll smile. We'll go oh, junior high, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, um, so we have to remember she's got like 40, 50 years life experience packed in a 12 year old body. Yeah. And so yeah. it's the, um, the experience has not necessarily met with maturity sure. yet, yeah. but her ability to empathize with yeah. people who are walking through things like the, the questions that she asks mm-hmm. and then the way that she prays and the notes yeah. that she writes and things like that. Like, man, God has done something in her that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun to watch. That's yeah. the way God grows us up, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. That's so good. Well, Doug, I feel like we could hit so many more topics, but um, for the sake of time, we'll wrap up. But I just want to thank you so much, mm-hmm. not just for meeting with us and sharing your heart on this podcast, but mm-hmm. um, for loving people so well. Yeah. So I, a couple of times when I reached out to you about Jenna, and then when I reached out to you about sharing on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, your response both times was, whatever I can do to mm-hmm. serve mm-hmm. and to help people. Sure. And I'm there yeah. for it. And so just your willingness to be vulnerable and open and, you know, whether it's a man listening or a woman mm-hmm. walking through something, um, I really believe your voice is going to reach into their hearts through yeah. this episode. So thank you. No problem. Well, my prayer is that people are um, drawn back to the person and work of Christ and how he mediates that love through the power of his spirit. Um, because I think oftentimes uh, part of the ordinary is, is forgetting that there's an extraordinary Savior who's never once taken his eye off you. Yes. yes. And if, that's, if that can be... Um, with clarity remembered in the moments where everything gets murky, um, then it's a beautiful thing. That's when everything changes. Yeah, it does, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, there's no way better to end 